Blog Talk Radio. for all things. 
unquote. So I want to stop there and take a very close look at these verses. And Paul founded this church, that is the church at Ephesus, on his third missionary journey. The theme of this letter is our conjoint relationship with Christ. And the fact that we have a duty to live as such, as believing ones. Now, in chapter one, well, the, the most important uh, thing I want uh, to address before we go back to Ephesians 6 is the uh, understanding that for, that for Paul's theology, everything with regard to the believer begins with the in Christ uh, reality. So that prepositional phrase points out and points to Paul's thinking with regard to the person of Christ. So, and he uses in his writing <clears throat> this prepositional phrase upwards of a hundred and over a hundred times at least. So, once again, Paul points out our specific union with Christ. We are joined together. We are united to him. And so, therefore, as believing ones, we live in a new reality. Paul writes, uh, in chapter 1, uh, verse 4, quote, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless with, uh, and blame uh, before him in love, unquote. So uh, Paul, in verse 4, points out the reality that believers were chosen in Christ. And I'm going to say eternity past. Oh, so God chose us. We have been chosen by God for salvation. Verse 5, he talks about predestination and the fact that we have been adopted by God. That is the sun placing. And so we have been placed in uh, Christ. Oh, by, and notice in verse 5, we, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. So Paul points out our blessedness and who we are in Christ. Now, you will never read in Paul's writing the, the uniting of, uh, quote, uh, sinners saved by grace. That language will not appear in the writings of any of the New Testament writers. No New Testament writer will ever say that we are sinners saved by grace. The word sinner, sinner or homartolos, denotes one who is devoted to the practice of sin. Those who belong to Jesus have no such designation. So I just wanted to to bring that point out before we go on. 
So Paul lays out who we are as believing ones in verse 19. Paul talks about the power of God uh, that is the resurrection power that is available to us as believing ones. Quote, this is verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Let me read that again. Quote, and what is the exceeding greatness power to us who believe, as an active participle, according to the working of his mighty power. Verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. <clears throat> Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is coming, unquote. So uh, the language is very pertinent and very powerful. <clears throat> so uh, I don't have time in this study to talk about the, the four words that's used by Paul uh, to denote the word power in English. I will in another study uh, very soon do that. But Notice that in Ephesians 6, uh, Paul wants believers uh, to understand uh, the necessity of the armor of God. And note in verse 11 of Ephesians 6, Paul writes, put on, very important verb, it is the aorist imperative middle, middle. So the heiress means, uh, in Greek, at a point in time, do this. Imperative means do it at once. Middle voice means that the, uh, the in, uh, refers to the individual himself. Take unto oneself immediately. Do it now. The armor of God. Put on with the idea of never taking off. <clears throat> Now, notice in Ephesians 1, Paul talks about the resurrection power of Christ. Paul talks about the fact that we were chosen in him. Paul says that we were predestinated uh, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ unto himself. Paul begins by speaking uh, to believers about their blessed position in Christ. When we get to this chapter, we're talking, uh, before Paul is talking about the practice of those who have a conjoint relationship that is believing ones with Christ. So we're to put on the armor of God. Ne Note that Paul never calls this the believer's armor, the believer's armor. And he goes on that ye uh, purpose in verse 11, that ye may be able or powerful to stand against the wiles that is the strategies of the devil. Verse 12 is very important. For we wrestle not against blood and flesh. Now, in the Greek, uh, this word wrestle means to vibrate or to vibrate against. For we vibrate not against flesh and blood. That is our warfare. Many believers may think that we our fighters with other human beings. Um, 
But notice, and the in Greek wrestling, ancient Greek wrestling, the object was to gouge out the eyes of the opponent or to gouge out the eyes of one's opponent. Paul lays out the very virile and severe nature <clears throat> of the conflict that you and I face. For we wrestle not against uh, flesh and blood. In Greek, it is reversed, blood and flesh, blood and flesh, but against principalities. In other words, our war or our conflict is against uh, spirit beings, invisible spirit beings who are not all-powerful. Only God is all-powerful. They, however, are powerful, and they are super-intelligent spirit beings. These virulent forces are against the believer, and you see them at work in Paul's ministry through the Judaizers, and you see the you note the the uh, determination of the Judaizers uh, to to follow to follow Paul and have um, those whom Paul taught the gospel to uh, listen to them instead of the gospel of grace. These people wanted the Judaizers wanted people bogged down in legalism. Verse thirteen. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, or the armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. You and I live in evil days. Evil things are happening all around us. It is imperative that as believers, we live according to the word of God, and we listen to God. We need the armor of God. The armor of God is vital in our lives. So, Uh, Paul tells us that we're to put on, uh, as believers, the armor of God. And what is, well, he tells us exactly, he talks about the belt of truth. He talks about the breastplate of righteousness. He talks about uh, uh, the boot and the shield of faith. He talks about the helmet of salvation. In a follow-up study, I'm going to go into more detail about the armor of God and why it is so vitally important for us as believers. Good morning. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you.